Turn to Romans chapter 3. And that um, I think is going to be hopefully helpful to us today in what God is doing. Um, I started reading Romans chapter 3. I was going to do something else, but the Lord just stopped me on verse 3 and 4. So I'm not going to get past that today. Um, I'm just going to let you know, I don't know when Romans is going to end, okay? So um, it may be a while, but it's, it's going to be good. This one is good. You know, Romans chapter 3, Paul really completes the accusations against both the Jews and the Gentiles. And um, the accusations are that we are guilty before God. That uh, you, can't earn, you can't earn it. It's like the song we sing, you, you can't earn your righteousness. You can't earn your holiness. The whole purpose of the law was to show that we needed a Savior. And it all pointed to Jesus. You know, the Old Testament all points to Jesus. You can look through all through the Old Testament and it will point to Jesus. Every bit of it. And, um, and so here, Paul kind of starts to explain you know, that the righteousness that the law was powerless to provide us, to give us, um, that God had to send Jesus. So God did, did by sending Jesus, and he provided righteousness freely to all who believe. Amen? And so and that's what he's talking about here with, with the Jews. And the Jews were thinking, hey, listen... You know, I'm righteous because I'm circumcised and I'm a descendant of Abraham. Well, that's not, that's not true, and I follow the law. But, you know, if you miss one little bit of the law, you are guilty of the whole thing. And so, um, so, they, so he just says this righteousness only comes by faith to all who believe in Jesus Christ from a, you know, apart from the law. I mean, you, if you obey in Jesus Christ, you are become righteous in, in him. It's not because you are a good person. It's not because you did everything right. In fact, you, 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 you messed up. You're, every one of us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Paul says. So in verse 1, the chapter 3, verse 1, it says, What advantage, then, is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, they have been entrusted with the very words of God. And that's, that last statement is what really the Lord says. And am I going out or you just press mute? Okay. The, the Lord stopped me. You don't like what I'm saying back there, sound guy? <laughs> um, the Lord stopped me at that verse. And so I wanted to, to really talk about that because it's very important because it, it's very relevant to us today. So I'm sure at this point, the Jews reading this letter from Paul, this book of Romans, this letter of Romans to the, to the Roman people, were feeling a little beat down because Paul ended chapter 2 by revealing that they had misunderstood God's covenant. They were operating under an assumption that, that because they were circumcised, because they were descendants of Abraham, that they were the, just, you know, they had everything. They were righteous. They, were, they had an advantage with God. And, uh, but Paul shattered that by declaring that the only true descendants, the true righteous, is ones who have their heart has been circumcised by the Holy Spirit. That they have someone who has given their heart to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is circumcised. That's the, the true descendants, not because you obey the law, but because you accepted Christ. You've accepted all that he did at the cross, and, uh, and that's what happened. And that's what happens a lot of times in religion today. And see, this is the whole key about this. That we can make church and everything that we do, our Bible reading, our prayer, our study of the word or lack of or whatever, we can make it in a religion where it becomes a head issue and not a heart issue. And so, and this is what he's really showing them. And if you see the, the life of, of the Jews, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, is that they, they basically did that. 
they, they, it wasn't a heart issue for them anymore. It became a head issue, became a religion where they even missed the very word himself, Jesus Christ, and crucified him. And so today, in today's society, we do that even as Christians, that we think that if I, if I, if I do this and I read the Bible every day, now I'm not saying that's wrong. You do need to, and I'll talk about that here in a minute. We need to read the Bible. We should have it in us in every day. But if I do these things, then I'm going to be righteous, I'm going to be okay. But man, there's a strong verse in Matthew chapter 7, right? That, Paul, that Jesus talked about. Lord, Lord, there'll be many in those days that said, Lord, Lord, have I not cast out demons in your name? Have I not done this in your name? And so on. And Jesus says, I never knew you. That's the danger of it. And we don't want to get that. We don't want to make disciples that are just doers and that's it. And then, but there's no faith to it. There's no life to it. There's no God in it. There's no relationship in it. And so, so I don't care if you're, you think you're good enough. I hear this all the time that I, I do good things. God must be pleased with me. It's not about that. He's pleased with you because of Jesus. Amen. Right? He's not pleased of you because you do good works. Now, is there good works that should, yeah, there should be good works in a Christian's life, but it should flow out of a heart for God, not of a have to, right? Just like when we talk about anything you serve here at Cornerstone or you give here at Cornerstone, it has to be out of the heart. It can't be out of, oh, I'm, I'm doing this so I can gain favor with God. You don't gain favor with God. You have favor with God through Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can have favor with God. And trusting and having faith in Him is the only way you can have favor with God. You cannot earn it. You don't deserve it. You know, that's the only way you can have favor with God is because of Jesus. You can't be good enough because guess what? You'll be good enough for a month and all of a sudden you're going to mess up. Guess what? You are guilty of the whole law and deserve judgment. But aren't you thankful for Jesus? Amen? So the question Paul's asking here, what advantage is there in being a Jew? And and verse 2 gives us really the answer. The Jews were entrusted with the very words of God. So they had this huge task of taking the word of God that was spoken to them by God and recording it and preserving it. I mean, it was a major thing that they had to do. you got to understand, the Jewish culture, it became a culture, and their culture was all around the Word of God. They, they By age 12, you had to memorize, a man had to memorize uh, the Torah, which was the first, really, five books of the Bible. Man, we can barely memorize John 3.16. And they had to memorize the first five books. I mean, everything in their culture was wrapped around the Word of God. So when they would record the Word of God, they would start recording the Old Testament or even one book or whatever, and they got to the end. If they messed up, if they didn't cross one T at the very end, they had to delete the whole thing. They couldn't just press delete. They had to tear it up, you know, and start over again. They had so many strict standards on recording. And I'm so thankful for that today. Aren't you thankful for that? And so not only did they have this intuitive knowledge of creation that Paul talks about, that all creation knows that there is a God, they also were given the utterances of the Heavenly Father. And this was a huge advantage that blessed them, of course, when they followed it. But it also blesses us today when we follow it. So what makes it so important? So amazing that God places such an immeasurable importance on his word. You know, King David said this in Psalms 138, verse 2 in the Amplified. He says, 
You have exalted above all else your name and your word. And you have magnified your word above all your name. Wow. You know, Philippians chapter 2 verse 10 talks about how how the name of Jesus, everything will eventually bow and come into submission to him. But God, but his word says in Psalms that he places so much of an importance on his word that he magnifies his word over his name. So now the Jews here were entrusted, and I'm getting some, I'm not picking on the Jews. They've been picked on enough, um, especially in, in, in with Paul. But I'm, I'm talking about what's happening to us today. The Jews were entrusted with these very words of God, and no one can question that they had retained favor with God in, because of this from the very beginning, but they did not continue in the word. And look what Paul says in verse 3. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. And as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. So the question Paul's addressed here is a very important one. I want you to get this. What if some did not believe God? Talking about the unbelieving Jews because they did not believe the word and were unfaithful to God. He says, will that nullify the promise of God? Does our lack of faith, uh, does our lack of faith cancel God's faithfulness? And he says, of course not. It does not. No way will that, ap- that do that. God is faithful. His faithfulness is not dependent on humanity's faithfulness. Rather, it's dependent on his character. God is a faithful God. But our res- faith is a response to his faithfulness. But our lack of faith doesn't change his faithfulness at all. Instead, it magnifies it. And this is why faith is important. Now, in the book of Hebrews, it explains something. This is where the Jews messed up. And this is where they messed it, messed up. And this is where we miss, miss it today, okay? So in the book of Hebrews, it explains that in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it explains that the word of God, the promise of God, must be mixed with faith to be effectual in our own lives, to have an effect in our own lives. So Paul is referring back to how the Jewish nation was entrusted with God's word, in Romans chapter 3, which was the, always, the, always pointed to the Savior, always pointed to Jesus' word, but generation after generation, they didn't believe it. It became a religion to them, a thing that they had to do, they had to memorize, but they didn't get the spirit of the word. That's why the, the law, using the word as a law, can kill. It's the spirit that gives it life. And so what Paul is saying here, he says it's made it ineffectual. It doesn't affect you and I if it's not done by faith, if we don't believe it. But even though they didn't believe it, and they went into captivity in Babylon, even though they, they didn't believe it and Israel wasn't a nation anymore, guess what? Did Jesus still come? Yeah, because God is faithful. See, the thing about God's word, it is always going to happen. It's never going to end. It's never going to stop. It's going it's, it's to accomplish the task. But sometimes, you know, we living in a broken world and we and circumstances are happening in our life. And this is what happens, especially to Christians, is that that we don't really see God's faithfulness all the time towards us because our focus is on these other things. So one of the things we have to settle in our lives 
in our hearts. Because even circumstances, what happens to, what happens to people, circumstances changes what you believe. You know, even though I have not received, my body has not received its total healing, that doesn't change that God isn't a healer. He is still a healer today, because His Word says He is. That doesn't change that fact. And one day I am going to walk. He is still faithful to that. So you've got to understand that. Just because you're going through a hard time doesn't mean God isn't God in that area. That God can perform His Word. But the thing about we have to do is mix that Word with faith. We have to believe it and settle in our heart that we, and decide that no matter what, God is true and everything contrary to His Word is a lie. Amen? So I look at my condition as a lie. It is not true compared to God's Word. Anything that comes against God's Word is a lie. So I, I can't allow what this world thinks. I can't allow what the media thinks. I can't allow what's going on around in this world or what's going on in my life to change what I believe about the Word. And that's what the Jewish people were doing. They forgot faith in the Word. See, God's promises are always true, even when we struggle to believe them or experience them. See, our faith is a response to His faithfulness, but our lack of faith doesn't change His faithfulness. And this is what Paul observed, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you are going to be judged. See, the world today is coming against the Word of God. There is even in Christian circles saying that the Word of God isn't completely true. There are churches that are saying that today. They're saying what Paul said was an opinion, and it doesn't go along with Christ's words, which is completely wrong. So there's things that are coming out, and why is that happening? Because of, of circumstances, of things going on, and of because of, really, because of sin. They say the Bible is not relevant, or that Paul was writing in his opinion, but that's not true. See, God's word is true, and you've got to settle that in your heart no matter what. The Jews didn't mix it with faith. It became a religion to them. So when the very word of God himself, Jesus Christ, came on the scene, they could even pick him out in a crowd. In fact, decided that he was evil. Everything that he was saying was evil. And what did they do? They crucified him. And that's what we see happening today with the word of God still today, is they're saying it is evil. And in some places, in, some, in, in California, uh, the Bible could be put on a, a book, a list of hate lists because of some of the, the things that they have voted on recently. Why is that? Because we have lost sight of the word of God. And Christians, and listen, the only way this is going to change is if we ourselves realize what it is the word of God, that it's true, and we stand on it, and we don't lose sight of it, and we don't, we don't go into what everybody else is saying, and we stand true on the word of God. And that's what Paul is talking to the Gentiles and the Jews here, of saying, listen, don't give up in that. We've got to mix it with faith. See, our God is a God who loves to communicate with us. And one of the ways He communicates and connects us is in His Word. And as Psalm, the, book, uh, the, the Scripture in Psalms said, that He exalts His Word even above His name because that, that's His Word, that's His bond, and He's going to be faithful to it. It's very important that we treat the Word of God as the only way to live because it's where we can find life. You know, the Jews didn't obey the word, and when living the word was right in front of them, they, they ignored them. We can't do that today. 
we need, there's an importance in the, in the Word of God. There's such an importance, a value, and we need to treasure the Word of God. You know, Psalms 118, excuse me, 119, is, is the largest um, chapter, or longest chapter in the Bible, and it gives us really some benefits. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it will take forever, but, but it gives us some benefits of the Word of God and its effect on our life. Psalms 119, verse 9 says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to the Word of God. See, the Word of God helps us walk in purity. Psalms 119.11 says, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I may not sin against you. The Word of God is what keeps us from sinning against Him. You know, people, there's, there's, there, are, there are preachers and, 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 and people that I used to admire out there that would rather read somebody else's book of this day and age and not the Bible. And treat that book as true more than the Bible. You know, we have a lot of books in our bookstore, but they're not the Word of God. They're commentaries of the Word of God. Nothing replaces the Word of God, the Bible. Amen? Because it will keep you from sinning. It will keep you in purity. Psalm 119.98 through verse 100 says, Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. For it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the age. For I kept your precepts. See the word of God makes us wise. And gives us understanding. Psalms 119, 130 says. The unfolding of your words gives light. And imparts understanding to the simple. The word of God is so powerful. It gives understanding. It gives wisdom. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God provides us with direction. Psalms 119.165 says, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. The word of God gives peace. The word of God is so important. And that one verse that, that Paul was saying in, in, in Romans chapter 3 here just caught me in the, and, and, and it said because they were entrusted with the very words of God, but they were not faithful with it. And that's so much what's happening today is that, that we have the full revelation of God in His Word. But are we being faithful with it? Are we realizing it? Are we taking it as true and keeping it in our life? And we need this in our life. To run with it and watch God move in it. I want to be faithful with it. In Romans chapter 10, we'll talk about this in a number of weeks. Verse 8 says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. And so the problem with the Jews, Paul's saying here, is where they messed up. and where It's a warning to us today. That we don't take this word as a religion, as a book, as a thing to do, but we mix it with faith. Faith makes the word come alive. Without mixing it with faith, guess what happens? It becomes religious and it becomes dead. See, it can be, you can read the word over and over again. I've, I've, see, I've seen people, Jesus dealt with people, right? The Pharisees. They knew the word of God, right? But it, was, it wasn't effective in their life, was it? 
They couldn't even see Jesus in it because they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't believe it. They, it was a religion to them. So you can't go into that. This has to be life to you, and it is life, and you mix it with faith, and it's a decision. So how do I mix the Word of God with faith? Number one, you've got to understand the Word is near you. The same Spirit that Paul says in Romans chapter 10, the same Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead is in you. That's what he said in Romans 8. The Spirit bears witness to the Word. You've got to understand, when you read the Word and accept it by faith, something rises on the inside of you. There's something inside of you that bears witness to that and says, ooh, that's good. How many of you have ever had that before? I mean, that, ooh, that's good, and you need to keep that. It bears witness with that. The Word is near you, and it's inside of you. You know the Holy Spirit memorized the Word of God? You know that? He knows the Word of God. And when you get it active, you are in agreement with the Spirit of God. And so guess what? When I read the God, Word of God and I get it by faith, I put faith in action, I believe it, and I receive it as the Word of God, as true, as life to me, it produces something on the inside because it is in agreement. I am unified with the very Spirit of God that's inside of me. And when I'm unified with the Spirit of God, nothing can stop it. Amen? There's something that happens to it. So I I need to understand that the word is near me. It's inside of me. Number two, that I I need to make a decision that the word of God is true. No matter what you hear on TV, no matter your circumstances, the word of God is true. I make a decision today. No matter what, I'm going to follow the word. It doesn't take feelings. You make that decision. I decide today that this is true. And everything else is a lie. This is true. So I don't care any preachers I hear. You, it's not, even if you hear me, you've got to understand the word is true. And if I go against the word of God, I'm, I'm a liar. Right? Right? The word of God is true. The word of God is true. Number three, you must make Bible, uh, Bible reading a priority. A daily priority. If I'm going to mix it with faith, I've got to get it in, got to get into it. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I've got to make it a priority, not a religious thing. That, oh, I got to do so many scriptures so I can read the Bible in a year. I'm all for you reading the Bible in a year as long as you do it by faith. That you mix it with faith, that it becomes life to you. But if you do it just to, just to check something off and brag to everybody on Facebook, stop it. You're wasting your time. It's become no effect in your life. It has to be mixed with faith. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this, All Scripture does breathe out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So guess what? You can understand. If you're really receiving and mixing the Word of God with faith, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be equipped for every good work. You're going to see fruit of it in your life, not just a check mark said, hey, I read the Word of God. Did you? It becomes passion in your life. Psalms 119.11 says, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And this is one of my favorite scriptures about the Word. Job 23.12 
He says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than the portions of my food. I had a friend of mine, just just kind of get the picture of this, it's crazy. He was, um, he smuggled Bibles into China in the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, he, I in fact met with him, I don't know, maybe about six months ago. He used to live in town here. and He told, told the story, and I asked him about the story again, about him uh, smuggling the Bibles, and, and he would, he, they couldn't smuggle whole Bibles because if they got caught, they would be thrown in jail. And so um, he was smuggling, and so they had them all over, but they would, they would rip out the book of John of these Bibles because they were afraid they were going to get caught so they ripped them out and put them in their luggage and just hid them everywhere and so they got to this meeting of this home church now you got to understand the, 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 the church in China is, is probably is, is growing by leaps and bounds I mean it is underground they, you know if you read on the news they, they just destroyed a big church there and, and, but it's all underground and probably some, some estimates are as high as 300 million Christians in China and um, so he would take it, and they would take it to this underground church. And they didn't have the Bible, most of them. They didn't have any Bibles. So they would lay, take out these book of John's, and it was almost like a feeding frenzy. They, were, they wouldn't fight for it, but they'd just grab it. And they would start crying because they had the book of John. And they would treat it so well. And they grab hold of it. They treasured it. The word of God. I can imagine Job and all that he was going through. Treasuring the words of God. You know, if you read the book of Job and you blame God for Job's problems, you you don't know Job's heart because Job never blamed God. He knew that wasn't his God. He treasured the word. The Chinese people treasured the word. Even though they had the book of John. And he would say sometimes, you know, some of the pages would be lost out of it, but they still loved it and would write down the other pages of other people. They treasured the word. And that still goes on today in China. It still goes on in some other places in the Middle East where they can get a hold of the Bible. You know, you know Christianity in America has become a religion. That's why it's dying. That religion does need to die. A revival needs to happen. Amen? So make it a priority to treasure the Word of God. And number four, take ownership of the Word of God. God just didn't give it to somebody in the Middle East. He gave it to you. You know, the Webster Dictionary describes ownership as this. To possess, to admit, to acknowledge, to confess, 
to that which belongs to oneself. <laughs> Isn't that good? That that's the word of God. I take ownership by possessing it as mine. This is not written to somebody else. It is, but it's written to me. It's written for me. It's the way of life for me. I possess it. I admit it into my life. I bring it in and I allow it to saturate me. I acknowledge what's in it by its truth. I confess it with my mouth. That it belongs to me in it. So for us to have the word of God, to take ownership, there must be an effort. There must be a cooperation with God on our part. And Hebrews 4.1.2 says this. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering to rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to, to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel is preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So to receive God and to take ownership of God says ours, we must mix it with faith, we must believe it. Isaiah 55 verse 10 says this, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do, do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Verse 11, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, and it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God sends us his words, and it brings forth his will in our life. Take ownership of it. His word is for our sake, and it's enable us to do our work. And then when you speak out the word, confess it. Matthew 12, 36 says this, Jesus says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. He says every idle word. It means non-productive words. These are words that you may speak that you don't believe. For example, you may say, I'm, I'm dying to see my grandchildren. Well, of course, you're not going to die. You don't want to die to do that. But they emphasize, you're emphasizing the importance of your relationship. See, everything we see was created by words. And it's the very word of God that upholds the universe, Hebrews 1.3. Therefore, everything that we, we see will respond to faith-filled words. God created the universe by faith, by speaking it out. By speaking it out. Everything in this world responds to faith-filled words, right? You respond to faith-filled words. When someone says, Good job. Or when someone calls you an idiot. Either way, they can be faith-filled. You respond. Everything responds. How many has ever talked to your plants before? Raise your hand. You're not crazy. I'm not going to pick on you. Well, does your plants respond to faithful words? Yeah, that's proven. Everything in this world responds to faithful words. Especially the word of God. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life and the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So it's not just life, but it's also death. 
faith-filled words. So let's take the word and take ownership of the word. And guess what will happen? We're going to see faith happen. We're going to see things happen in the word of God. And we're going to receive it by faith. Because we're in charge with proclamation, with training of the word, with teaching the people the word of God. God has charged us as the church, as the body of Christ, with proclamation, with training, teaching people the word of God. And we need to do it by faith. We need to mix it with faith. So Paul, saying this to the book of Romans, to the the Roman people, don't be like the Jews were, where they didn't mix it with faith. Because when you mix it with faith, good things can happen. When you don't, it becomes a religion and it becomes an area of control. Amen? Condemnation, guilt happens. But when we mix it with faith, something great can happen. Devote yourself to the Word of God. Discover what it says and take it by faith. Allow God to strengthen His Word, to strengthen you, encourages you, it comforts you. Settle in your heart today that God's word is true. And here's the promise. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. God will be faithful to his word. He's faithful to his word. Enter it. Let, let you be, be an example of his faithfulness. Let it be effective in your life by mixing it with faith and, and, and loving it and treasuring it and getting into the Word and, 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 and being diligent with the Word of God and being faithful with the Word of God. Because when you're faithful with the Word of God, great things can happen. And so Paul's rebuke was to the Jewish people that you weren't faithful with the Word of God. You didn't understand the Word of God. You didn't mix it with faith and so you messed it. So he's telling all the Romans, Jews and Gentiles, let's mix it with faith. So when we sing, you know, all of our songs are word-based. You know that, right? That we worship with. Every song that we sing is word-based. When we worship, and just like I was talking to you at the beginning, at the the end of worship, that there's something God wants us to come into. Your worship, when you come into worship, it's a holy thing. It's not an event. It's not a concert. This is a holy event when we come together. When you do it at your home. It's a holy event. That we say by faith and we speak those words of God. When we sing those songs. Just like that last song we sang. It is directly out of the book of Romans. And we say it with faith that I don't deserve it. I don't earn it. But you gave yourself to me. And we receive it. And that's when we are able to receive all that God has for us. And we're blessed when we do that and we get something out of it. That's why you can be in a church service and you can look right next to somebody and they're crying, they are weeping, they are emotionally or they're excited and they're jumping up and down and you're there just feeling nothing. What's the difference? I want what they have, right? What's the difference? Maybe they mixed it with faith and you didn't. Right? Listen, I'm guilty too. 
I come in, in to worship at times and, and I'm tired. In my own worship time, and I'm just sitting there. I've got, I've got stress. I've got junk. And it's not God. God's not. He's, he's faithful, right? I draw near to him. Guess what? He'll draw near to me. He's faithful. And if I can just stand up and get up and enter in by faith, not by feelings. It's not about feelings. You understand that. You don't have to cry. You understand that, right? It's not feeling. But I get up and I get into the presence of God and I just, by faith, and you know what? I've done this before. Okay, God, I'm going to worship you. I don't want to. I mean, it's not that I don't want to, God. I'm tired. God, I'm disappointed in you. But God, I know you're faithful. I know your word is true. And I treasure you. And I'm not going to allow my circumstances, how I feel, what has gone on this week, to stop me from entering into the presence of God. And you know what? When I do that by faith, you say, Sean, that's not faith. You're doubting. Yeah. No, I'm faith. It's faith. Because I lifted up my hands and I started worshiping Him. And I started thanking Him to be who He is. And I started singing those songs by faith. And guess what? Something starts to change on the inside of me. Amen? I'll walk around in my bedroom and I'll start um, just praying. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like speaking His Word. I don't feel like reading His Word. I'm hurt. I need something. I, I need a word from the Lord, but you know, I just don't feel like doing it. I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a fixer, by the way. I just want you to know that's my who I am. I just like to fix things and that, that never works for me, by the way, but I haven't learned sometimes. So I want to get out there and do something. But God says, won't you just come sit and worship me and let me take control. I hate those words. <laughs> but I'll go, I'll do that. Has never let me down. He has always been faithful. I'll get up there and I'll start confessing his word. Amen. I'll start walking around and I'll start I'll start I'll start speaking the word of God and uh, quoting scripture. I'll have the Bible and I'll start reading scripture and I'll just walk around and I'll just speak the word of God. And I tell you what, something rises up inside of me. Things change when you do that. When you treasure the word enough to go against your feelings and your emotions. And what other people are saying. Something happens. God is honored by your presence. Did you know that? You know that? When you decide... To come into his presence. He's honored by yours. And he blesses that. Every single time. Because you know what? When you do that. He knows you went through hell. To get into his presence. You went through every demonic force. 
that's trying to stop you and trying to get you to believe lies that you decided not to listen to. Amen today. And you got into the very presence of God and something great's going to happen in your life because that's mountain moving faith when you start worshiping him. And guess what happens? It releases the angels of God out into that 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 world out there and it starts to make things that weren't right. It starts to make them right for you every single time. And he's honored by that. And he says, come on, come on, son, come on, daughter. Let's do it again. Let's keep on. Let's do it. Because in the presence of God is, is fullness of joy and pleasures forever more. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads closer.